Good evening, everyone. We will call the City Council meeting to order for Wednesday, February 21st, 2024. Please rise for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. The clerk will take the roll. Council members Fleming? Here. Larson? Here. Masolia? Newland? Here. Robertson? Here. Soraya? Here. Mayor Sanders? Here. All right. Well, I want to say a special welcome to all of you here this evening. Uh, it's so great to have uh, so many of you here. This is, uh, I think, one of the best nights of the year for council meetings when we have the room so full tonight in particular for some citizen recognition as well as swearing in some new officers. So this is just a, a fantastic evening. It's uh, you know, two of my favorite things to do uh, in this chamber. Uh, but I do want to start this evening um, by just pausing for a couple moments and recognizing uh, what you all as first responders, our, our law enforcement officers, uh, our, our firefighters and EMS, our, our first responders, I just want to acknowledge what you all have signed up for. Uh, the events of this past weekend in Burnsville uh, are, are just gut-wrenching. Um, it's something that I think brings to each and every one of us uh, just the, the, the somber reality of the world that we live in, the roles that you all have chosen to fulfill. And uh, it's it said and very noted, Greater love has no man than the one that's willing to lay down his life for uh, another. And uh, we saw that this past weekend, senseless, but you all have signed up for that. And you have taken on that, that risk to provide safety and security for us, uh, for this great community. And the city of Burnsville is not that much unlike the city of Blaine. Uh, we're just, a, you know, 10, 15 miles outside of uh, the Twin Cities. Uh, very similar population size, similar demographics, and that reality, uh, you know, that something like that could happen here is extremely uh, sobering, uh, I think, for all of us. And so we are just extremely grateful for those of you, uh, for family members uh, who you're all in this together. Uh, it's a family decision. It's a family calling. Um, but at this point in time, I'd like ever to ask everyone who can, to rise for a moment of silence and uh, think and give thoughts or prayers for the, the families that were affected in the city of Burnsville. Thank you all. At this point in time, I'm going to turn things over to our chief of police, Chief Padani, uh, who has uh, some amazing citizens uh, here this evening that he's going uh, to recognize. And uh, Chief, we'll turn the show over to you. Thank you, Mayor, members of the council. A um, couple of quick things here. You know, first of all, thank you for uh, taking the time to recognize the tragedy that occurred down in Burnsville as we lost some heroes down there. Uh, as we were in workshop tonight, you may have noticed me 
messaging and emailing on my phone and computer, I was actually in communication with the Burnsville chief tonight. She's an old colleague of mine. We were classmates many years ago. So um, she's expressing her appreciation for everything and outpouring of support. And she asked that we just spread that to anyone we talk to. Who's, and so I wanted to share that with you and thank you for that. Um, if people are looking for something local they can do to try to support um, the Burnsville community, the families of the, the uh, firefighters, medics, and officers that were killed. Uh, this Friday night, we have our annual Guns and Hoses tournament, and it is a cops versus firefighters hockey game that we do at the National Sports Center. It's a lot of fun. A lot of people put a lot of work into it. Uh, game time is at 5.30, and every year we designate a charity um, that, it, that uh, those funds will go to. And this year, those funds are going to the Frontline Foundation. And so far, already over $40,000 have been raised for Friday night's event for the Frontline Foundation. And those funds are all going to go to the families of Officer Paul Emstrand, Matthew Ruge, and Medic Adam Finseth. So if you want to, uh, it's a great way to support the, them, but also come out and have a good time. I think we have commitments from channels 4, 5, 9, and 11 to all be there. So it's going to be a very big event, um, bigger than, it's always a big event. We fill the arena, but much like tonight, I don't know if we're violating the uh, fire capacity. So we'll have some firefighters in attendance to, to manage that. And then one other thing I want to mention is Saturday we have the Polar Plunge up at Lakeside Commons. The first time it's going to be in Blaine and we have over a thousand plungers. So next to Minneapolis, this will be the largest polar plunge in the state. So phenomenal work. I want to plug our Detective Warren Christensen. I'm not sure if he's here tonight, but uh, for all of his work getting that done. So if you're not signed up or you want to come out and do it, it's not too late. Um, so let's get on with our awards here. Um, you know, we're very fortunate as we get into this tonight because we have a couple people in the room that literally would not be here tonight. They wouldn't be on this earth if it wasn't for the efforts of other people in this room that we're going to recognize. So that's something that always kind of tugs at our heartstrings and um, is very significant. And uh, so we're going to talk about that in a minute. We get to honor our partners in our community. And part of our mission statement reflects that we're members of our community. And so these are our partners that were out there right alongside us, um, helping others and, uh, and even helping us. So the first incident, um, I'm going to call up a citizen, Bradley David Miska. So Mr. Miska, you want to come on up? And I just saw Senator Kroon here in the, uh, in the front row, too. Thank you for coming out, Senator Kroon. Nice to meet you, first of all. So, um, so this was an incident. It's kind of a lengthier read because I want to you to understand what we're up against sometimes. Just some brief statistics. From 2014 to 19, our uh, assaults on cops, we averaged about 350 to 400 a year in the state of Minnesota. Since that time in 2020, they shot up, and every year we're averaging between 800 to 1,000 assaults on officers in this state every year. So it's more than doubled over the course of a couple of years. And that's what this first incident actually involves. And I'm going to have you face the uh, council here, Mr. Miski, if that's okay, all right? And this is a lengthy read because I want you to understand how dire and how serious the situation is. I also want to call up Officer Travis Peterson, who was the officer involved in this incident. So, Officer Peterson, you want to come up for this as well? 
I'm going to read this uh, entire thing here. And, it, and I want you to understand, this was the officer involved, and he dwarfs me, okay? So <laughs> to understand the confrontation that he was involved in here is, is it's noteworthy. Um, on June 11th, Blaine police officers were dispatched to a physical rolling domestic in a vehicle. The male suspect involved was violently attacking his girlfriend, who was screaming for help. The male fled on foot prior to the arrival of officers. However, we were familiar with the couple involved in the incident, and the suspect male was known to be extremely emotional, intoxicated, aggressive, threatening, unpredictable, and possible suffering from mental health issues. Officer Peterson located the suspect walking in the area of the 8800 block of Arona Avenue over on the east side of the city. Upon finding the suspect, the suspect threw his backpack on the ground and quickly approached the officer who was exiting his squad, yelling, shoot me, I want to die. The suspect was also eyeing up the officer's gun on his belt, throwing his hands in the air and oddly laughing. He then threatened verbally to take the officer's gun and said he would lunge at the officer in order for the officer to shoot him. The officer tried repeatedly to de-escalate the situation, but the suspect was still agitated and said he was suicidal. Eventually, Officer Peterson was able to calm him down, and the suspect sat on the curb. Shortly after that, Officer Peterson was notified by a fellow officer that there was probable cause to arrest the suspect. The officer told the suspect he was under arrest and began handcuffing the suspect. The suspect then began yelling about being arrested, and after having one handcuff on, reached with his other hand towards his waistband and hoodie pocket. He pulled away and squared away to Officer Peterson in an aggressive manner. As the officer tried to gain control of the suspect's right arm, the suspect violently thrashed around and grabbed the officer's neck in an attempt to pull his head down. The suspect attempted to punch Officer Peterson multiple times in the head and neck, which um, I'm going to say Travis. <laughs> okay, It reads a little easier, but I want you to understand the humanity here too. Well, Travis attempted to block that. The suspect continued trying to grab items on his vest, including his chemical spray. The officer was unable to control the suspect's free arm, but grabbed a sweatshirt in an attempt to gain control and took the suspect down to the ground. Once on the ground, the suspect continued to grab Travis in a very close quarters combat situation. He grabbed his taser holster. The suspect grabbed Travis's taser holster and attempted to rip it off. And as Travis was trying to contain the handcuffed hand, the suspect grabbed the officer's firearm holster. And I can tell you if someone's grabbing one of our guns, they're not doing it to pawn it. They're doing it to kill us. So he was trying to disarm Travis and tried several times to rip other items off his vest and duty belt. He also kept trying to headbutt Travis and spit in Travis's mouth and eyes, which was less than a foot away in the close quarters fight. The suspect then bit the officer's upper armpit area, causing extreme pain. As the fight continued, the suspect continued biting the officer's arms and face as they fought. The officer called for emergency backup, but backup was still a bit away. Our resident hero here, Bradley Miska, saw what was going on and sprang into action. He saw the officer struggling and without hesitation ran over to assist the officer, completely ignoring his own safety. He became involved in the struggle and was able to help Travis gained control of the suspect by grabbing the suspect's feet. And about a minute later, um, they, got, they were able to get on top and try to restrain the suspect. And about a minute later, backup arrived. Eventually, they got him fully handcuffed. 
Miska risks potentially serious injury or death to himself in an attempt to help Officer Peterson. Miska then remained on scene providing a valuable statement that was crucial to the criminal case against the suspect. This unbiased perspective helped demonstrate the gravity of the situation. After getting the suspect in custody, he continued to be belligerent and combative, kicking and headbutting the inside of the squad doors, windows, and divider, and continuing to spit all over the divider and at the officer's head, continuing to threaten Travis. Without a doubt, Bradley's selfless actions helped prevent unwanted further force or injury in a tense, escalating situation. His actions went above and beyond the duty of a, quote, good citizen. <coughs> Despite going to the hospital, Travis was eventually um, released and recovered from his injuries and able to return to duty. So with that, I want to thank Bradley Miska. Thank you. I should mention too on this uh, on this last award, uh, KSTP was out and uh, actually covered this in their evening news tonight at five o'clock. And so there's a story on the incident in Mr. Miska. Uh, they had actually been filming in the city yesterday, but it, was, it aired tonight. So, and um, we've also nominated Mr. Miska for a state chiefs of police association award as well. Yeah. Okay, this next, uh, this next Citizen Recognition Award also hits very close to home. Um, I'm going to call up uh, our citizens, uh, Carla Holm and Kenton Puth. And then I'm also, I think he's here, Jeremy Rawlings, are you here? Jeremy, are you okay coming up too? Okay. And uh, I mentioned it hits close to home because uh, Jeremy's actually married to one of our officer's cousins. So and he's our victim that, they, that was saved. Um, the other people I want to identify and have them come up on my other side is our police department staff involved. Officer Jenna Justin, uh, Jacob Cree, 
Omar Molinos. And I'm not sure if they're all here, so I'm going to say them all. Joe Romaley. Sergeant Barry Cook. And then CSOs Andrew Bliley and Harrison Millington. And then also, I think we have some, at least our deputy, our assistant fire chief was on scene that day. And I don't know if we have any other SBM reps that were involved in the incident that are here tonight, but if they want to come up as well, that'd be great. Oh. And thank you, Officer Justin, for doing the nomination on this as well. Oh. Okay, so this happened back on June 17th. And at that time, um, Jeremy was out uh, riding his motorcycle on Highway 10 between Central and University. And Carla, now my understanding, Carla, is you're a nurse, correct? Okay. Carla and her husband James were actually traveling behind the motorcycle on Highway 10 between Central and University uh, when they observed uh, the motorcycle uh, lose control and crash. And Kenton was driving home. You can't make this up. The stars align for you, I'll tell you that, okay? Yes, you got that right. Kenton was driving home from work as a paramedic for Lakes Region EMS when he observed the crash as well. And both uh, Carl and Kenton immediately pulled over. And uh, Mr. Holm, uh, Carla's husband, called 911. And then Carl and Kenton immediately rushed over to Jeremy's aid and began helping with his breathing and pulse until other first responders with more equipment were able to arrive. They both played a crucial role in ensuring that Jeremy got the victim the help that he needed as quickly as possible. Now, at the time of the incident, it wasn't believed that Jeremy was even going to survive. So to see him standing here today is truly a miracle. And I can see he's been had multiple surgeries, is actually in a coma for several weeks as well. So to see him standing here today is truly a miracle, and we're honored to be in all of your presence. And uh, so I can certainly say, Carl and Kenton, without your efforts, um, this wouldn't be possible. And thank you for being the heroes that you are. You truly saved his life, and it's wonderful to see you here. So thank you, and congratulations. Thank
All right, our last award tonight is another reunion. So, um, and for this, I'm going to call up our citizen heroes, Jeffrey Ruff, Mark Morissette, and then I believe our victim is here tonight too, Frank Vitalo. And Frank here. Wonderful. And then I'm not sure if uh, Officer Noel is here. Is Officer Pete Noel here tonight? Officer Noel was, uh, had uh, done the nomination. Oh. If you're wondering why they're all chatting, this gets better. This is like a Hallmark story here, so it's kind of cool. So. All right, so this incident happened up at Crunch Fitness. Now, as you see us all in uniform here, we're used to... Uh, we're used to AEDs and, and medical equipment they're in, and it's something we deal with, you know, on a virtual daily basis. But our citizens don't. So when someone, when, when the time comes to, to help someone who obviously needs it, it's a it's a pretty tall order. So I'm going to read what happened here. So back on January 4th, uh, we had responded to Crunch Fitness up in Blaine here uh, for a male on an exercise bike that was passed out laying on the ground. We were told en route that he was not breathing and CPR had been started. And further, while we were still en route, we found out that he, he was subsequently shocked with an AED or a defibrillator <laughs> and was breathing prior to us even getting there. And uh, so we arrived and we assisted with care. And when we got there, he uh, became conscious, talking, and was ultimately transported to the hospital. I mean, you're going to put us out of work here. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's not easy to, to, to step into a scene and take a commanding role, um, like in this incident. And real quick here, so Mark was walking by the stationary bikes when he saw um, Frank go down and immediately started yelling for help. Uh, Jeff was nearby working out, and when he heard people, someone say that there was someone down, so they both immediately went over there. Jeff did a quick assessment and started CPR right away. Uh, Mark held the victim's hand, and at the time, Frank was not conscious or breathing. And we know that because an AED doesn't shock someone who's, who's uh, just unconscious. Um, and so while Jeff was performing CPR, a Crunch Fitness employee grabbed the AED. Jeff hooked that up and administered a shock. Um, initially did not restart, so they continued CPR, and then Mark took over the CPR. And then uh, while they administered the compressions, they felt a pop on the victim's chest, and eventually the victim sat up. Do you remember? What, I'm sure you have no idea what you said. You said, Mama, Mama. <laughs> <laughs> Was that for you? Or I don't know. But <laughs> So they laid him back down. Oh, a side note, you know, prior to this incident, they would all go to the gym and work out, but didn't really say hi to anyone and just kind of did their own thing. But since this incident happened, a new friendship and bond has been formed and they're all friends now. So how cool is that? Oh, so, um, so Jeff and Mark, thank you for doing what you did. Frank, thanks for pulling through. Yeah. And thank you all for being here tonight. And congratulations. <laughs> so,
Well, what an amazing few uh, stories here. I mean, to the residents that stepped up, you represent the very best of us. Uh, we, we can't thank you enough uh, for you looking out for our, our officers and looking out for each other uh, in our community. We're just so grateful and so thankful. And again, going through just this quick exercise here again, just the gratitude, the thank you to all of our law enforcement officers, to all of our first responders, our, our firefighters, our paramedics, and they're all running out the door right now. Um, <laughs> thank you from the bottom of my heart from, on behalf of the city. Just thank you for, for what you're willing to do to protect and serve our community. So thank you. Chief, we've got a couple more that want to sign up for this. So Absolutely. This is pretty cool. This is, uh, as you indicated, Mayor, this is certainly one of my, uh, my favorite times as we get to swear in new officers. Um, uh, and for the uh, education or edification of uh, uh, our citizens that are in attendance tonight, when our officers are hired, they go through a, a, an official swearing in where our city clerk swears them in so they can do the job of a police officer. But they have to complete the rigorous field training and once they complete the rigorous field training, then we get to publicly recognize them and swear them in publicly. And the reason we do this, um, it, it's unique. And we saw that play out in Burnsville this week because they are signing up to protect this community knowing that it could cost them their life. And so it, it is very significant. Um, and as you see that tonight, um, they will, we will go through this, but I want you to think about how precious that is because that is truly important. And um, we'll, we'll be pinning their badges on tonight too. And you'll see for the ceremony, they're not wearing a mourning band, but all the officers in attendance are wearing a black band over their badge that is a mourning band in remembrance of the sacrifice that was paid in Burnsville this week. So um, we are gonna start, we also do this by seniority. So Miles is probably looking at Aaron right now, winking because he knows that means bidding rights in the future. So we're going to start with uh, Officer Miles Wakamoto. Come on up. Okay, right there. You get to stand right next to me here, okay? Officer Miles Wakamoto, badge number 254. Miles grew up not far from here in New Brighton and graduated actually from Irondale High School. Miles earned a bachelor's degree in law enforcement from Metro State University. And he had previously worked actually at the North St. Paul Police Department for almost five years, where he had established himself as a field trainer and a use of force instructor. Now, a field trainer is somebody who actually trains other officers. So we're very fortunate to, uh, to get Miles. Miles currently actually resides in Blaine, so he's a fellow Blaine resident um, uh, with his wife, Jenna, and their two-year-old son, Eli. Uh, I can only assume they're here tonight. <laughs> And uh, outside of work, Miles enjoys football, watching MMA, and spending time with his family. Uh, Miles stated he came to Blaine because he very much enjoys doing proactive police work, which is something that drew him to Blaine, something we're big on. So, Miles, do you want to introduce who you got here tonight for us, please? Yeah, so right here. <laughs> Perfect. And Eli. Hi, Eli. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yes. That is the best. That's one of the other things that makes this so special. So what we're going to do is we're going to call up our city clerk, um, 
Kathy Sorensen, and she will do the honors. And then who's going to uh, who's going to pin on your badge? Okay. All right. You start with the. Hi, Miles Wakamoto, do solemnly swear to honorably support the Constitution of the United States, the laws of the state of Minnesota, the Charter and Municipal Code of the City of Blaine, and to faithfully discharge the duties as police officer to the best of my judgment and ability. I also affirm to uphold the Law Enforcement Code of Ethics. Blaine Police Department mission statement and the department's core values. Thank you. Okay, next we have Officer Aaron Rice. Officer Rice, come on up. Here we are, over here on this side. All right, another local, I like that. So, um, Where to begin here? Badge number 255. So, you know, I mentioned seniority. The nice thing is there's people in field training right now, so he knows he's getting seniority pretty quick. So. So Aaron Rice actually grew up in Lionel Lakes and graduated from Centennial High School. No. Um, remember who your SRO was? <laughs> okay, gotcha. That's probably a good thing, though, right? So, yeah. <laughs> All right, Aaron actually earned a bachelor's degree in criminal justice from the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire and actually has worked at the, uh, for nearly 10 years at the correctional facility in Lionel Lakes. Uh, during his time there, he worked many positions, such as a utility officer, a living unit officer, and as a member of the incident response team there. I don't know how you did that. You know, I used to work for a sheriff's office, and I could never work in the jail because I like windows and outside too much. So kudos to you. So, But Aaron currently resides in Hugo with his wife, Cassie, and their cat and dog. And outside of work, Aaron enjoys hiking, working out, and doing drone photography. Uh, Aaron's photography, and I actually I, I went to Stillwater last weekend, his, and... When I was there, you know, they had the tour guide book in the, in the lobby and stuff, and his photography was actually the picture on the cover of the Stillwater tour guide book, so that was pretty cool. I know that guy. So, <laughs> so Aaron, who do you have here tonight? Uh, I have my wife, Cassie. All right, perfect. Anybody else you want to introduce? I forgot uh, that's in attendance. Welcome. Oh. All right. Yep. <laughs> I think they're all here yeah. for you, right? <laughs> Perfect. All right, Kathy, you want to come up and do the swearing in? And Cassie will get you this in just a minute here, okay? Okay. 
Yes. Aaron Rice do solemnly swear. I, Aaron Rice, do solemnly swear. To honorably support the Constitution of the United States. To honorably support the Constitution of the United States. The laws of the state of Minnesota. The laws of the state of Minnesota. The Charter of Municipal. The Charter of Municipal Code. Of the City of Blaine. Of the City of Blaine. And to faithfully discharge the duties. And to faithfully discharge the duties. As police officer. To the best of my judgment and ability. To the best of my judgment and ability. I also affirm to uphold. The law enforcement code of ethics. The Blaine Police Department mission statement. And the department's core values. Thank you. Officer Aaron Rice. Wonderful. Well, what we'll do is we'll keep you both up here and we'll bring the council down for a quick picture now. As everybody gets back to their seats, um, we do do a brief uh, reception downstairs with some uh, cookies and things like that, so we invite you to all to swing down for that. And Aaron and Miles, I love the smiles that you guys have every day, and 25 years in, please still have that smile, okay? <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Mayor, members of the council, and thank you for everybody who came out tonight to support them. And, well. Excellent. Thank you so much, Chief. Uh, thanks for leading us through that. It, again, just such an awesome... Awesome night where we get to celebrate uh, so many uh, wonderful things and wonderful people uh, that are a part of our community. So thank you for leading us through that. Uh, as we're letting people filter out of the room, uh, we'll just kind of go through communications, which is our opportunity to kind of give any announcements. Uh, I know, Chief, you had brought up Guns and Hoses. You want to one more time kind of give the information on Guns and Hoses so everyone can get out there and support this fun event, very cool event. Absolutely. Thank you, Mayor, members of the council. So um, every year we do a cops versus firefighters um, hockey game. And uh, I don't want to eat my words here in a couple of days, but yeah. we won the last six years. So 
but it is at 5.30 at the Super Rink on, on Friday night. Doors open at 5 o'clock. It's a fundraiser for the Front Frontline Foundation. It's free to get in, but you can make a donation, and there's different games and raffles and things like that there and silent auctions and all that type of stuff. But um, all the proceeds this year that Frontline Foundation raises at the event will be going to the family of the firefighter, medic, and officers in Burnsville. And we've already raised over 40000 so come on out, and we'll see you Love there. it. Let's get over that $50,000 mark if we can. Let's do it. Uh, community help us support uh, that incredibly important uh, uh, foundation at the same time, uh, support all of our officers and firefighters, first responders. Uh, the other big thing that's happening this weekend is the Polar Plunge. Councilmember Robertson, do you have some Oh, yeah. I mean, I can just that? real quickly reiterate what the chief said. The city of Blaine is poised to be one of the largest outside of the like core metro area. I think we're 40 away from being in the top two spot for attendance and participation, and that's that's a big deal. Over a thousand people we have participating um, on behalf of the Special Olympics, myself <laughs> included. Although the T-shirt I received today, <laughs> as a team, you know, uniform doesn't look very warm, but whatever, <laughs> <laughs> I'll be there. Um, but yeah, at Lakeside Commons Beach, it, it's I think really an honor to have that event here at the City of Blaine. I know our law enforcement team has been a strong advocate on behalf of the Special Olympics and the Polar Plunge, and it piggybacks on the Special Olympics coming here in 2026. So. It's an excellent event. There's still time to sign up. You can do it day of. Am I correct, Chief? Like, Correct. You can show up that day. And this year, because of the weather conditions, even though there's still ice, that we're going to be having to walk in from the shore, which is actually worse because you can't just jump in and get out. Yeah. You have to ease in and ease out. So, the polar dash yes, is what we'll call it this year. Better term for it. Yeah. <laughs> excellent. Any other communications? Councilmember Fleming. Thank you, Mayor. Um, so I received an email this week from a resident, once again praising our police department. Uh, he was actually going to work at 3.40 a.m., and he noticed a woman um, walking around in a skirt, no jacket, no shoes. He took the time. He was on his way to work, and he took the time to stop and see if she needed help, which she did. He called 911. The dispatcher sent him out. He went to take her home. She wouldn't go inside. Um, the rest of it is, you know, I'm sure you can imagine. And um, the boyfriend or husband came out of the house with something in his hand yelling, and he said it would have escalated very, very quickly and very dangerously had our police department not responded the way that they did. And he just, he praised you guys up and down, and especially with what happened in Burnsville, you know, like you talked about. But I just, thank you. Excellent. Thank you very much for that. All right. At this time, we will move into the open forum section of the agenda. The open forum is an opportunity for the public to present an issue or concern to the city council. There's a maximum of 15 minutes set aside for this open forum. We ask that each presentation should be limited to no more than three minutes. If your item needs follow-up from the city, we'll make sure the staff does follow up with you uh, to get you that follow-up and information that you are looking for. Thank you, uh, those of you that are sticking with us uh, here this evening, and uh, welcome you at this point in time. If you'd like to participate in the open forum, you can step up to the podium. All right, seeing no one make a mad dash uh, for the open forum, uh, and just to let you guys know, too, if you are here for the public hearing on Agenda 9, those two items, you can speak at that time as well. So we will move on from the open forum, and we will move into approval of the consent agenda. 
The consent agenda is considered to be routine in nature by the city council. It will be enacted by one motion. There will be no separate discussion of these items unless a resident or a council member so request, in which event that item will be removed from the consent agenda and placed in its normal sequence of the agenda. Members, a motion, please. Second. Moved by council member Robertson, second by council member Newland. Any questions or discussion to the consent agenda? Council member Newland. Mayor, thank you. I will need to abstain from the February 2nd bills bid. Excellent. We'll have the clerk note that. Any other questions or discussion? Seeing and hearing none, all those in favor of approval of the consent agenda, please say aye. 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 Opposed? That motion prevails. Moving along in the agenda to agenda number nine, that is the public hearing. The first that we will go through is a public hearing on agenda item 9.1, and we will turn things over to the city clerk. Thank you, uh, Mayor and Council. Tonight, um, uh, the requested action is to hold a public hearing for proposed on-sale intoxicating liquor license fee increase, um, uh, take public comment, and then after closing the public hearing, um, uh, act on the proposed motion to increase that fee. So. Um, as part of the budget process for um, 2024, council had directed staff to um, um, bring forward a proposed fee increase for just the on-sale liquor license fees. This would not affect the um, wine um, or 3-2 beer uh, license fees. This would just be for the full on-sale intoxicating liquor license fees. It's currently, uh, the fee is $5,800. And for 2024-2025 license period, uh, staff is uh, recommending an increase uh, to $7,800. Again, this is an action as a result of the 2024 budget discussions and review of current fees compared to other comparable cities. The last fee increase for on-sale liquor license was two, uh, 2017. If approved, the proposed increase will place Blaine's license fees still below average of other cities, um, but will still con continue to cover the costs associated with licensing, regulation, and compliance checks. Um, public hearing a notice was uh, published and mailed to all current license holders as required by statute. Um, and um, to date, uh, staff has maybe received uh, two comments, I believe uh, one through uh, directly through a council member, one through um, uh, one of our department heads, um, just commenting on it, but staff has not received any written or formal um, uh, comment on uh, the license. There may be um, license holders here in the audience tonight. Um, most cities use uh, utilize a flat fee schedule, but when we did the survey of um, comparable cities, we did see that four of those 19 city surveys utilize a tier schedule, fee schedule, um, that was based either on annual sales or building square footage. What's being proposed tonight was just a flat fee increase, but that is something obviously council can um, review and discuss. So with that, um, um, ask that council open the public hearing, take comment, and then close the public hearing and act. Any questions, I'll stand. Thanks. Thank you very much for that presentation. And we'll do just that. At this point in time, I will open the public hearing on agenda item 9.1. If you're interested in speaking uh, to this agenda item, uh, you're welcome to come to the podium at this time and present your comments. Is there anybody here this evening that wishes to participate in the public hearing on agenda item 9-1? All right, again, seeing nobody, uh, we will close the public hearing on agenda item 9-1. Members, I'll accept a motion. Moved by Council Member Fleming. Second. Second by Council Member Newland. Questions or discussion? Council Member Robertson. Thank you, Mayor. Um, Kathy, 
action we take here tonight is locking this in, correct? Because I was the council member that reached out about a tiered structure. So I actually don't have a problem with the fees increasing, but and I'm sure I've said this a bazillion times in the last six years, what I don't like is stuff that's one size fits all, right? Like just to increase the fees across the board, I, I don't have a problem with it. Again, I get it, especially when you look at the comparisons of what other cities are doing. I don't have an issue with it. But I would like to consider a tiered structure, whether it is by the square foot or what have you. I don't know that you want that to be dialogued here, like right now, because I don't know that there's a, a right or a wrong way to do that effectively, I guess. I. So I'm not sure what the answer is to that. And maybe no one else thinks that tiered structure is a sane idea, and that's okay too. But I did, that was me that reached out, and that was some of the feedback that I had gotten from um, one of our local restaurants slash bars that reached out regarding this in particular, since they are a smaller location, unlike you know a tavern size or the former green mill space that's 10,000 square feet. It just, to provide some sort of equitable fee process, again, that one size fits all is where I just get, it's, it's difficult for me to get on board with that kind of stuff. But I understand there's mechanisms in the budget for approving the fees at this, and I get that too. I didn't know that tiered things were a thing until somebody said something to me about it, so that's why I'm mentioning it now. Thank you, Councilmember Robertson. Any other questions, thoughts, feedback? Councilmember Fleming. Um, I think that's interesting. I think it should be explored um, before we go ahead and pass is just to make sure that we're all on the same page because I'd like to know more about it. Mayor. Councilmember Newland. Thank you, Mayor. Um, as we discussed or as was mentioned in the preface that we did pass the budget hinged upon this dollar amount. It's not a huge amount, but it is something we agreed upon. I think the assessment of a tiered structure as we look towards 2025 might be something we could do. I think equally in 2025 we're going to find the Legalized marijuana may have an effect on some of the other recreational things that are out there. So uh, I think we have time to look at that. And I think the bigger picture would be in really 2026 as the whole CBD stuff and marijuana and alcohol all comes to uh, fruition and starts settling in a little bit. Then we might look longer picture than just a snapshot of where we are in 2024 as we're already now halfway through February. Um, so I'm supportive of increasing the um, fee as was recommended by the city clerk as we talked about before, looking at keeping it a, um, a live ongoing topic would be something to consider. I don't think we should stop what we're doing now to look at something different because if a month from now we say, well, what about this? What about that? Then we're really not taking any action. I think we're prepared to take action based on what we uh, spoke about last fall and what we agreed to in December. That said, uh, if I could ask the city clerk, when last did the fee change, if you could fill us in? Yeah, yes, Mayor, Councilmember Newland, the last fee increase was uh, in 2017, and um, the fee amount, I believe, was $200. So it has been um, this $5,600, $5,800 range for um, a number of years. Thank you. So the uh, dollar amount is a fluid structure that we could take a look at, and I would... No pun intended on fluid, now that I think about it. But um, no, <laughs> thank you. Uh, now that I've said that, I, I, again, I would like to take a look at some of the other topics for consideration as we move forward throughout the year. But I'm supportive of moving the fee tonight. 
Councilmember Robertson. Thank you. And no, I appreciate that. Again, the reason I brought it up wasn't because I wanted to undo already pre-approved budgetary things. I just didn't want this to be the final, final, this is what we're going to do, always and forever and indefinite. I mean, we did dialogue it in workshop in relation to the budget. It wasn't super clear until we got, you know, kind of the packet with what those fees increases were going to look like and the letters started going out. So, I mean... Again, I'm not looking to upend anything. I appreciate the openness and willingness from my colleagues to dialogue it. I just didn't want it to be the final thing. I think with all the growth that we're going to see in the next probably two to five years, addition of restaurants and other facilities for on-sale and off-sale liquor, I think it would make sense and probably serve the budget quite well based on you know some of the things that we know are coming to review a tiered structure. Councilmember Larson. So it does appear that we are still on the lower side. There are some that are lower in comparable cities, uh, but there are a lot that do have a higher rate. I wonder, uh, I'm not sure what the work is involved. I know this is licensing, but I'm not sure what the work is involved by staff. Um, I'm curious, is it the same work for staff no matter what the square footage of the place? And I understand how... A smaller business might not have as much of a budget. I understand that part. But I also do wonder, is it, and I'm not sure how much work that includes, is it, you know, how much work is included, I guess, in licensing? Um, because I wonder if it's the same amount of work, well, then, a, you know, a one-size-fits-all, you know, based on what the work is of the city does kind of make sense in that regard. Yes, yes, Mayor Sanders, Councilmember Larson. Um, uh, it's possible that um, just based on, on structure, a larger uh, space may have more partners, uh, for example, in their, in their corporation. That's just one possibility. There's more background work that is included um, uh, in order to, to um, be able to bring that forward for your consideration, uh, the background investigation the police department does. Um, there's also likely more compliance um, uh, issues that could occur just because of the space and the more um, uh, more customers that, that a larger location may serve. So um, uh, so some of those costs would be the, the process for um, uh, reviewing the application that would be uh, very similar um, uh, no matter how large uh, the square footage would be. Um, for, for a restaurant location, for example. Thank you. Any other questions? Seeing none, Councilmember Fleming renews her motion. All those in favor of that motion, please say aye. Aye. Opposed? That motion prevails. Next item on the agenda is agenda item 9.2, public hearing and res uh, resolution granting a conditional use permit, and we will go to our city planner. Thank you, Ms. Mayor, City Council. Um, the applicant is Twin Cities Animal Rehab and Sports Medicine. They're requesting a conditional use permit to a veterinarian clinic at 10035 Flanders Court Northeast. Um, the property is zoned I-1, and that is light industrial. Um, Radisson Road is on the east and north side of the property, and industrial buildings are located to the south and west of the site. Um, this is an aerial photo of the building that they're going to be located in. It is a multi-tenant. Um, they do rehab and sports um, on animals. Um, they're no, they'll be operating in normal weekly business hours, Monday through Friday. Uh, on site, um, the use does require 28 parking stalls, and the site has 43. So parking requirements are met for this tenant and the current tenants that are in the site. Um, Tonight, you will be holding the public hearing. Uh, staff recommends approval with three conditions listed in the staff report. Thank you. Thank you so much for that presentation. At this point in time, we will open the public hearing. 
On agenda item 9.2, so if there's anyone here in the audience this evening that wishes to participate on this agenda item, we'd like to hear from you at this time. Welcome, good evening. If you would, please, just your name and address for the record, and then we'd love to hear your comments. My address, sorry, bad with microphones. <laughs> My address is South great. Minneapolis on Harriet Avenue. Um, but we've been in Burnsville for 17 years now and are looking to have a northern location, which many veterinarians have asked us to. But we're not really a vet clinic. We're just under that remit. We're mostly seeing patients who come in and go home. Patients aren't under anesthesia. There's no boarding, anything like that. Just to clarify, I'm available for questions. Thank you. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for choosing Blaine as your North Metro location. Thank you. Uh, anyone else here this evening that wishes to participate in the public hearing on this agenda item? Seeing and hearing none, I will close the public hearing and members I'll accept a motion. Moved by Council Member Robertson. Second. Second by Council Member Newland. Any questions or discussion? All right, seeing and hearing none, all those in favor of that motion, please say aye. 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 Opposed? That motion prevails. All right, next up on the agenda, we'll move into development business. First item up is agenda item 10.1, resolution granting a conditional use permit. We'll go back to our city planner. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, what before you tonight is a conditional use permit amendment to clarify the side yard and front yard setbacks for Foxtel Hollow Townhomes, which, on, which is on Redison Road and 121st Avenue. Uh, the property is zoned development flex, and the property to the east and north are also development flex, and to the south is farm residential. If you recall, development flex is regulated by a conditional use permit. We set out the development parameters, including setbacks, building elevations, lot size, and that, and so forth in the CUP. Uh, the CUP was approved in April of 2023, and in the CUP document, it states that townhomes be set back 20 feet from private drives. However, we did not clarify in the CUP language whether that's front, side, or rear. So tonight, that's what we're doing. Um, the 20 feet is intended for the front setback from the private drive, and then the side and rear will be 10 feet as intended as the plans were approved. Um, in April, uh, this is basically a text amendment clarifying that for everybody that reviews building permits. Um, the Planning Commission did hold the public hearing on February 13th. Uh, there were no, um, nobody present at that meeting. Um, they did recommend approval, and staff recommends approval with the two conditions listed in the staff report. I'd be happy to answer any questions. Thank you so much for that presentation. Members, a motion, please. Move by Council Member Robertson. Second. Second by Council Member Newland. Any questions or discussion? Seeing and hearing none, all those in favor of that motion, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion prevails. Next up is agenda item 10.2. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, item 10.2 is a conditional use permit for a 1,610 square foot attached garage for property at 4726 115th Avenue. Uh, the code requires anything over 1,200 square feet and under 3,000 square feet. Um, needs approval of a conditional use permit in the FR zone. Uh, this property is zoned FR as are the adjacent properties. Uh, this is a vacant lot at this time. They're proposing to build a new home, which includes the attached garage that they're requesting over the 1,200 square feet. Um, their garage will be used for their residential purposes. Um, the attached garage will match the home, again, because it is attached. So again, we're just looking at the size increase. 
Uh, the Planning Commission held um, a public hearing on the 13th of February. Um, no one was present at the public hearing. The Planning Commission recommended approval um, as does staff with five conditions listed in the staff report. Thank you so much, Sheila. Members of motion, please. Move it. Moved by Council Member Newland, second by Council Member Robertson. Questions or discussion? Seeing and hearing none. All those in favor of the motion, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion prevails. Next up is agenda item 10.3. We have a first reading, and we'll go back to the city planner. Um, Mr. Mayor, I'd like to review items 10.3 and 10.4 at the Please same do. time. Um, they're both first readings. Um, 10.3 is the first reading for the ordinance amendment creating the County Road 10 mixed use district, the MU district, and also rezoning um, for the properties that would be affected with the MU district. Um, and you may recall in July of 2022, uh, the council adopted the Northtown Vision Plan. Um, part of the, and that is part of a long range framework for redevelopment of the Northtown area. Part of the short-term action steps that were identified uh, in that plan is to create a new zoning district and to reguide the parcels accordingly. Uh, we did do that previously and now before you tonight is the uh, mixed-use district. Um, one of the changes that is different in this mixed-use district is the setbacks, um, the pro prohibited and permitted uses, conditional uses, um, and we are requiring a site plan approval through Planning Commission and Council, which isn't typical of our zoning districts. Um, we did have um, one person submit comment on this, asking that the council consider adding oil change as a conditional use. And we also had another comment asking to reduce the setbacks along University Avenue. I'd be happy to answer any questions, and tonight's the first reading. Excellent. Thank you, Sheila. At this point in time, we will have the clerk give it its first reading, and we will see this back. What was the date again, Sheila? M March 4th. March 4th, so in the next council meeting. Clerk will give it its first reading. First reading, Ordinance 24-2542, approving amendment to the Blaine Zoning Code to create a new zoning district, County Road 10, mixed use. First reading. The clerk will give 10.4 its first reading. First reading, Ordinance 24-25-43, rezoning certain parcels in the Northtown area from community commercial and regional commercial to County Road 10, mixed use district. First reading. <clears throat> Moving along to the section of administration. First item in that section is agenda item 11.1 and another first reading we will go to our community development director. Thank you, Mr. Mayor and Council. As Council may recall, on September 6, 2023, a moratorium was adopted on new car washes in the city of Blaine to allow Council time to review zoning standards related to car washes. And again, that was a six month moratorium, so that's set to expire on March 6, 2024. Uh, the council has had two work sessions to discuss zoning standards and staff is prepared to move forward based on direction that was received last week. So we anticipate uh, changes related to where they can be located to come forward at the March Planning Commission as part of the Highway Overlay, Highway 65 Overlay District discussion and then there'll be some separate text amendments which we anticipate will be coming forward to the Planning Commission in April. So once those processes are complete, sometime in that May timeframe, we can then expire this moratorium. Um, but we do need to extend it because the existing moratorium 
um, expires on March 6th. So this is the first reading. Uh, the language does extend it six months through September 6th, 2024, but again, we anticipate it, that it would be done sometime this spring, and when those changes are complete, we will lift the moratorium, and any new car washes would be subject to the regulations that the council adopts. So with that, I'll open it up for any questions. Thank you, Director Thorvig. Uh, with that, we will have the clerk give 11.1 its first reading. First reading, Ordinance 24-2544, adopt an extension to the interim ordinance for a moratorium on car washes. First reading. Next item is agenda item 11.2, and this is our city clerk's item. Thank you, Mayor and Council. Before you is second reading of Ordinance 24-2541, amending salaries of mayor and council members. At the last meeting, first reading was held. A vote was um, um, actually taken, which was an error, so my apologies for that. So this is actually the scheduled second reading, and that's before you now. Thank you. Uh, thank you for that presentation. Members of motion, please. Move it. Moved by Councilmember Newland. Second. Second by Councilmember Larson. Any questions or discussion? Councilmember Soroya. Thank you, Mayor. Um, so I will be voting no on this once again. Um, as I mentioned last time, my, I have two main concerns. So one, um, there's no mechanism in place to determine if a raise has been earned. Um, how many hours council members are putting in. Um, there's no like real evaluation process. Um, so that to me is um, something that maybe we should create before we decide whether or not a raise is merited. Um, and then second, you know, I just feel like with, um, you know, all the other, you know, uses this money could be put towards, it just doesn't feel right to me to be giving ourselves a raise at this time. There's so many better uses for this money. Um, I've repeatedly brought up assessment fees that we're charging residents and how much of a hardship that is for so many people, especially in Ward 1. So I'd rather use this to create a fund to help people that can't afford these assessment fees or um, give our officers a raise. There's so many things we could do with this funding. So thank you. So I will be a no on this again. Any other questions or discussion? Seeing and hearing none. All those in favor of that motion, please say aye. Aye. Opposed? No. That motion prevails. Is there any other business in front of us this evening? Manager Wolf? With that, I'll accept a motion to adjourn. Move it. Moved and seconded. All those in favor of adjournment, please say aye. 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 Opposed? That motion prevails. Council is adjourned.